spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And today is sunny and beautiful and gorgeous. And I don't know where you are, but where I am, I'm having a great day and getting ready to go out and play in it. My son is hanging right beside me going, hurry up and get that show done so we can go and jump in the pool. So if you're up north and it's snowy, I want you to go ahead and be really, really, really jealous. Because, you know, I'm old and I deserve to at least be making somebody green at this point over what I can do with my body because many things are no longer sticking together. Okay, so today we are going to have a wonderful guest. I'm really excited about him. Um, I'm always excited about my guests. That's why they're my guests. So I know that sounds redundant to you, but each and every time there's something really unique and special about the person that I invite to be on the show, and that is yet again the case. So you're in for a real treat. But before we get into who's on the show and what the show's about and what the question we're going to answer is, let me remind you to stay to the end of the show where we'll have stories from the road. And I will take whatever subject matter came up, and I will bring a story from my life or from my work, which is also my life. And at the moment, it's mostly my life. And, uh, and I'll share that with you, and it'll make the whole thing make sense, I promise. Today's guest is not only a great guest, but he's the okay, 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 great guest giveaway, because he has something special to offer up close to the end of his time with us. So hang in for all of that. It's going to be a ride. We're going to be talking with Jeffrey Miller, and I met Jeffrey actually at a conference, and it, I'm going to tell you this part before I give you his written official introduction. The reason I want to tell it to you is because my son was with me. So my 34-year-old son is loving the idea of becoming a speaker. He's finally got his first speaking gig, even though he's very hard to understand. So he's going to write it all, and I'll read it from the stage, and we'll have a lot of fun. So it's very exciting. Well, at the beginning of that, I started taking him to seminars. And at the very first seminar that I took him to where he was adjusting to the concept of sitting for hours and hours, like 12 hours, seriously, um, listening to speaker after speaker after speaker, he was still, you know, kind of edgy and, and concerned about moving things around and touching things and trying to adjust to the environment. And Jeffrey was sitting beside him. And here's what I loved so much. Normally, and I'm sure all you moms out there can relate to this, normally the person sitting beside my grown man son who's being autistic with the way he's moving things and flicking stuff around, um, when he touches their things, they either get very edgy and angry or they get very compliant. And yes, you can have it, yes, you can have it, yes, you can have it. And neither of those is great. You know, one teaches him, go ahead and be kind of weird, and I'll let you have whatever you want because I'm afraid of you. 
and that builds up his desire to make people afraid because it makes life easier, or it teaches him, you're weird, I'm judging you, and don't touch my stuff. And here was Jeffrey Miller, who is our guest, sitting beside my son. I'm on the other side. And he just goes, no, about the things he doesn't want touched, and yes, about the things he does. And he's so comfortable, and his voice is commanding when it needs to be commanding, and he's friendly when he needs to be friendly. And I'm like, okay, there's a story here. And boy, is there ever. So Jeffrey Miller, I already love him. He is a hypnotic interventionist. Again, that's fantastic. And he's serving in the area of human needs psychology, hypnosis, NLP, and strategic interventionist. Now, we're going to find out what all of that is, but what a great guest to have on our show to talk about this sort of thing in application with autism is a very interesting bent that I haven't gone on before, but there's a reason he's here, so keep listening. After having launched an empowering program to help those that deal with low self-esteem, well, that, that fits a lot of us you know, that are trying to raise kids and being told by every expert to do it differently and you start to feel like, as one of the moms that I was having on my show said, I just feel like I don't have the tools. I just feel like I don't know anything. So you end up kind of beaten down by the world. So he's a fit again. Um, he has His program is called the 21 Days to Change Your Mind. That's cool. 21 Days to Change Your Mind. Jeff is continuing to expand the envelope and has taken the program international. Also, he's the founder and leader in a dynamic group of collaborative experts, the Interactive Media Network, otherwise known as the AM Network. Okay, so we're going to find out all about that. But why was he so comfortable with my son? Here it is. Drum roll, please. He's also the proud older brother of identical autistic twin brothers, born in 1959, when autism was hardly even a word. Now that's going to be interesting. We're going to get some history and, and some perspective. Jeffrey Miller, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for the invitation, Lynette. And I will say, uh, to preface, it was an absolute pleasure to meet you and your son at the event in L.A. Um, my wife, Emily, and I have been, I've been to three. That was my third event with uh, James Malinchek, ABC's The Secret Millionaire, about being a great speaker, the tools you need, etc. So it's very compelling, and the audience is always some phenomenal networking we can do at those events. And this is, this is a, folks, this is how Lynette and myself and also my wife met. And yes, I sat next to Lynette's son. And yes, he wanted to touch things. And as she said, you know, if it's a pen or something, but if he grabbed my cell phone, I'm not checking for messages. Of course, I don't necessarily want him to do that. So having been with my brothers now for years, as, as Lynette said, uh, I've got a world of experience with autism. Um, a life story that changed my life, quite honestly. It's a whole book uh, about being the sibling of identical twin brothers. Uh, again, back, born back in 59 when, as I said, it was hardly even a word. Didn't Way back then, they, just, they didn't even... They didn't even know like, what it was. Yeah, they yeah it, no, they and they didn't it. keep people in, in your life. So tell us the no, story a little bit. No, they took them away. Actually, they wanted, to, they wanted to institutionalize them both. And here's these, these guys, I'll say gorgeous, handsome boys, identical twins, you know, the pride of our family. Wow, twins. And we had other twins in the family. My, actually, my, my grandmother had twin brothers, and then it skips a generation. 
though she didn't, and then my mom did. So that's kind of how that came out, I guess. And, you know, it was just like, wow, I have twin brothers, you know, when they were so fun up until the age of all three years old and things were, things did not proceed. Uh, the doctors couldn't figure it out. They didn't understand. They had no understanding of it. They said, well, there's some mental retardation is what they call it. They're retarded, that word retarded, which means, of course, to something that turns back, something's not progressing forward in the mind. Uh, it, right. it was devastating tactically for my parents because either that or they were then labeled into, they were put into a program called emotionally disturbed. So in other words, they're, 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 nobody knew. Nobody knew back then. There was still a world away of understanding autism and, and what it's about and why. And of course today we still don't have all the answers either, which is quite amazing with our technology. Yeah, it is amazing. So what? That's, that's, with your brothers, I'm sorry, it's just so fascinating. No, go um, right ahead. Yeah, yeah. With your okay, so with your brothers, when did you actually get the term autism? Well, that that came some years later. Uh, I learned the term autism from my mom and dad, which is go getters. I guess that's where I get it from, thankfully. But there was some heartache along the road as well in raising these two boys, and of course, my sister. I'm the oldest, and it's my sister, then my brothers, and. I am the sibling of the results of a, a twin uh, autism family, twin boy autism family, and there was heartaches that went along with that too because my mom and dad had to just consistently be striving day in and day out for what is wrong with these boys, what are we going to do about it, there's got to be some answers, and they literally, uh, my, fa- my father, you know, as much as, you know, he was in back in those days again, sole sole income rental was usually the dad of the house. The mom was a stay-at-home mom. That, that changed shortly thereafter, of course, as history knows today. Women are equally working in the, uh, out of the home as, as much as men are. But that said, they, they turned over every rock they could turn over. They left no nothing uh, to chance to try to figure this out. And it was devastating on our family because technically, little did we know, my sister and I weren't getting some of that there was tons of love, but still something was missing. And you, 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 people need to understand that, and, and it's tough because there's other children in the household. The autistic child takes all of that time. All the autistic of the day, children like, in your yeah, case. yeah. So, so here you are. You know, there's two of them, and yeah, we were. You know, I think I was 12 or something when they were born, something like that. My sister was 10. Uh, so yeah, we were pretty much on our own going to school days, but still, we watched and we learned, and that's how children learn. You learn by the experience of what you live and what you're taught from your peers, whether it be parents, aunts, uncles, friends, etc. That's how children learn. So we learned heartache. We learned that there was strife going on in our family. And they were a very loving, giving, caring family, don't get me wrong, but it had its No, whole... but a time of great confusion, did your mother ever have anybody tell her it was her fault because back then they oh, were still yes. buying oh, yes. that they whole refrigerator mom yes yeah, absolutely Lynette they were actually both told it was their fault it was something to do with them uh, that there was man my dad never got over that by the way and there's a there's a, a tail end of this story uh, which I'll tell in a bit but um, it, it, it 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 literally killed him it really did. Um, from a mental point of view at first, and then later on through the years, it did. It took him out. Uh, my mom, God bless her, to this day, although she's in a nursing home with dementia right now, both my brothers have been living uh, in a, in a 
a home, a very nice place. They have work programs. They do well. Uh, one of them is uh, the older, by one minute, is totally blind from beating his head uh, and non non-communicative to the point where he makes noises for cookie. He can say cookie, things like that. Uh, the other, the minute younger, is pretty good, has a base language skill, um, you know, and remember back those days, there was the learning ability for autistic kids was not there at all because they didn't know what it was. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do with them. Yeah, you than, know, I, Jeffrey, they didn't do it. It's not much better now. I mean, they used to use behavior modification for yeah, oh, all yes. those people, and that's just called ABA now. It's all the same thing. Right, right. So it's, it's, it's a sad situation all the way around, and my heart goes out to every single solitary person and every family that has to deal with these what they call less than normal children because it is, but you know, it's also a chance to learn and grow and be that person that evidently God's intention was there for that, my mom and dad to be the mom and dad of these two boys and us, my sister and I. Uh, it was, we just will have to believe that. We have to have that faith that there's a reason. Um, some people say that's a bunch of bunk. I don't really want to hear it. Well, you know what? It helps me because that's what I want to believe and it really helps my mindset. So, uh, each okay. to their own, as I say, you know, so, so anyway. So, what, it, it, so what's the relationship? So, you know, we're going to jump around. That's just how I do my show. So what's the relationship between the challenge of watching your brother struggle so much and your brother, your one brother actually making himself blind with head banging and your parents being accused? I mean, it really was a difficult time back then. Some benefits to not knowing, but mostly damage. So, with all of that, and you're now an interventionist hypnotist, where's the connection? What drove you to take that bent? I believe that my feelings of empathy uh, throughout the years, I, I didn't start out as an interventionist by any means, and I've been an entrepreneur from the age of 17. I had that drive and that determination to be in business and to help help other people, and I think my mom and dad did exceptional in helping teach me that. Uh, they were my guides. Uh, there was a lot of good that came out of our household, both my sister's strong and determined and does well herself, and so we, we did well. Not great, but I think we did well. Uh, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something in the pot, because we always have to have a question we answer, and I think I have a good question here based on ahead. what we've been talking about. Do you believe that, because there's a, nowadays there's a lot of genetic evidence that if you think of autism as like a recipe, if you think of it, people as a recipe, and some people get too much sugar, some people get too much cinnamon, some people, right? Then you and your sister might have a little brush of autonomy that's sort of beneficial as opposed to negative in your approach to seeing what's broken in a system and your approach to seeing, you know, and you ending up an entrepreneur kind of fits that. So my question is, do you think that you have a little teeny good-sided touch of the autism bug, if you want to call it a bug, and do you think that living with your family situation helped you to form this entrepreneurial mind knowing that the experts did, weren't always experts. Absolutely correct. Yes, I'll have to say yes 100% on that. And it, it goes to all forms of, you know, living, growing, learning. Uh, we had to be taught to be independent because they were gone all the time trying to sort out what's going on with these two boys. That, that's one thing. When we were younger, um, there was a, an, a, you know, we had to learn how to, my father 
uh, as he was taught by his father, taught me to be a jack of all trades. You know, I do carpentry, construction, <laughs> electrical, plumbing. I love to work on boats. I fix cars. You name it. I love. I, I'm an I'm a, a, a private aircraft pilot. I mean, I I've mastered a lot of things in my life, and I I I blame it on my parents. How's that? And I can say that in a very nice way. Uh, <laughs> Uh, because they did, they taught me. They taught me what I needed to learn, despite the fact I wasn't aware of it at that time. You, you live what you learn and learn what you live, and to a good. So yes, the answer to your question, uh, absolutely, Lynette, is yes. It also it allowed me to have a vision to want to help others because I could look at other people and they may think they're down and out. And I used this as a tool as a leader in my businesses when I built a business and employed people. I was consistently and constantly wanting to help people rise up from the situation they were in and learn the trade or learn a different part of the business. And I would take that time to help teach them and instruct them so that they, in fact, a lot of them left my employee and went on to other businesses or even opened their own businesses. And most people say, why would you do that? Why would you train people to either be your competition or to move on and work for somebody else in a different position? I said, because that's who I am. And it's not all about not all about you, it's about them. Besides, so, that is the definition of a great leader. In, in fact, I just finished my book about this. You know, the people who feel like they want to hook you and keep you all the time, they're not great leaders. You're, the whole point no, is right. to have your student surpass the teacher and move on and take your message out. It's like being a parent. You're supposed to let go. That's right, and you know the, what, what you know. I, I often tell the the, the uh, analogy of the, the mother bird. What does it do when the baby has to learn to fly? He boots it out of the nest, and everybody thinks, "Oh, that's terrible." The baby might land on the ground. Yes, there's a percentage that do. Unfortunately, uh, nature, mother nature, handles things that way. When we're taught to be self-dependent, when we're taught when we're young to learn to do things and help other people then you, you, you can't help but be successful. Not perfect in life, because I don't know who is, however. So leading forward from that, though, in my many years as an entrepreneur in business, and I, and I was at varying degrees of, I was in executive management in Boston for a number of years. I, I grew up south of Boston near Cape Cod, and uh, did very, very well. At the, in my early 20s, I was a high-paid uh, uh, vice president of, of two corporations, uh, which was not an entrepreneur at that point. I had previously been an entrepreneur with my own business, and then it was offered this position, and I accepted it because it had marvelous benefits. Company car. I still had I still had uh, 20 people under my, under my wing that I was responsible for, and it was a great position. And working in the city was just something that I felt, hey, this would be great. I soon learned I didn't want to work in the city, and after about six, seven, eight years, I did walk. I did walk away from it and went back to self-employment, uh, which was difficult raising a young family of my own because uh, the the security blanket was removed, so to speak. But that's who I am, and I was very successful again. So up through the years, bringing bringing up to almost just a little over five years ago, uh, way back when I had written. Uh, a number of papers about different things and never thought about being a writer. Actually, it was more of a journaling. And I realized there was some stuff going on in my mind that I was not happy about. I was trying to find some answers as a business owner, you know, to help my people that work with me do better. And I felt that if I had my head on straight with different things, I knew there was some, some little areas that probably needed some work, but I didn't know what they were. And that expression goes, we don't know what we don't know until then we know it. 
And I picked up a book one day, which was recommended to me by the gentleman we now call Tony Robbins today, who was known as Anthony Robbins back then in the 90s. And it was called A Wick and the Giant Within. And being six foot four, 240 pounds, I go, oh, this book's all about me. I'm going to awaken the giant. Well, it wasn't just because of the stature of the person. It's all about what's in within the mind, the giant that you are within your mind. It was actually Tony's second book. Now we call him Tony today. Uh, now speaks to hundreds of thousands of people all over the world to do with personal development and coaching. And I said, gee, I, I would love to know something about what he's doing today. Well, the thought came to me years later again. I read the book. I practiced it along with Jim Rohn and uh, Zig Ziglar and a bunch of the greats. You know, followed this stuff, mm -hmm. read their books, listened to different things. Because back then we had cassettes. That's how you did it. Drive time was with a cassette. Yeah, and I remember. Pop it, pop it into the old radio and away we go. So... Things happened where life was good, successful, highly successful business, plenty of money, living in a beautiful home on a lake up here in Maine, uh, which I've lived now for a little over 19 years. And opened the window one day, actually occurred the curtains to these double atrium doors I had, and I was 10 feet from a gorgeous lake, cold, cold, crystal clear water. And I looked out, and of course, this is a view that nobody else in the world had because it's my window on this lake. Nobody's looking at it from the perspective I am. And I thought, wow, what an amazing thought. Where did that come from? That nobody has the vision that I have at this particular moment anywhere else on this entire planet. I'm the only one that can see this vision looking at that lake from that perspective. And the question came up, who am I? And I said, wow, where is this coming from? Who am I? It was like a... a epiphany or, you know, I don't know what you want to call it. And it started to actually not cause me to feel very well because I said, maybe I'm finally starting to break through that why am I not successful in relationships? Great friends, but personal relationships, failure. Just flat out weren't working well. I, I, and, and it wasn't because I wasn't a giver. It wasn't because I wasn't apathetic. It wasn't because I wasn't a good provider. There was something missing, something missing in my personal relationships, and it caused me unhappiness because here I am in this gorgeous home on the lake with a brand-new vehicle sitting out front that was paid for, a very successful business, no monetary problems, but I wasn't happy. And you go, wow, what's going on here? So I sat down at the computer with a cup of coffee, and I Googled, who am I? And I came up with a song, this first thing that popped up, a song called Who Am I by a group called Casting Crowns. And I'm going to give them a little credit because it's quite, oh boy, it really gets me. It's, it's very emotional. They said, you are uniquely a child of God, and they go on through the song. Anybody that cares to listen to it should. Uh, get a box of tissues because you may shed a tear because they open up your thought process to who you are and why. And this is the way life is. So that said, I further went on in that next moment after wiping my eyes and said, Tony Robbins, what is he doing today? I was totally out of touch with where he had come from that book, Awaken the Giant Within, some years later now to what is that guy up to today? And I did a little Google search, and I found out that he is running events all over the world, five to 7,000 people packed in once a month, 12 times a year, 
plus all kinds of programs called Date with Destiny. And I went, wow, look at this guy. He really has done it. He is helping some immense, immense numbers of people. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people worldwide have now been through his programs. And I said, gee whiz, I wonder if there's any way I could pick up the pieces of what he's doing. Maybe it would help me. So I Googled it, and sure enough, I found it. Thank you, Google. And he mm-hmm. had a, in a program called the Center for Strategic Intervention, which he put together and formed a business with a Dr. Chloe Madonis. And Dr. Madonis is, is I believe, in the Washington, D.C. area. She's quite renowned in child psychology uh, and, and what goes on within the mind. And, the, and you know, life and, and, and teaches through metaphors, which are totally amazing. So I found out the information. I spoke with a gentleman who was in charge of the school, and I enrolled. It was an online program, and I started then. And it literally changed my mind because in order to be, and I did not then think, Lynette, that I was going to become an interventionist to the sake of this would be my career path. I wanted it to help fix me. I wanted this information costly. I mean, it, it wasn't an inexpensive program, you know, back then. Uh, but it was an investment in me. It wasn't about the dollars and cents. It was an investment in myself to bring me up and tr- attempt to get rid of this block, to overcome this, this whatever this was that was causing me what we now know is severe low self-esteem. Right. Where did that come from or why did I have it? Well, I have a life history of it because I felt it, believe it or not, during years of my brothers and learning what the, the situation there and what was wrong and trying to sort that all out, I somehow, in my mind, did not feel that I was receiving the nurturing that I probably felt I deserved. At some point, somewhere along that road, I felt like I had been kind of shunned a little bit and pushed aside. And come to find out, my sister really felt the same way, but didn't know it. I'm going to intervene for a second because this is a great place for me to give a little direction to the parents listening. So to have a great relationship, you have to have a blueprint. You have to grow up watching a great relationship evolve and see what it is. Is it, um, you know, a good morning, a pleasant smile, uh, a snuggling and a giggling that your parents are doing? So this beautiful connected thing that happens in a comfortable, gorgeous you know, empowering, enriching relationship is the blueprint that the children have and expect in relationships moving forward. When there's special needs in the house and there's all this blame happening from the experts around you, and this is common today too, so that's why I want to say it. Um, When all of that's happening, all the focus, the focus from the children, the focus from the parents, the focus from the, the experts is all aimed at the problem to solve. And here's the thing. So what that does is give the wrong blueprint. It gives the blueprint or the template in the mind of the growing other siblings that a good relationship has this other focus. But the person they, they're marrying or connecting with may not have the same template. And if they do, there's going to always be bandaging going in that relationship. It'll always be fraught with fighting and problems and, and sort of a us versus them approach. So if you have that circumstance in your home and you have your special needs child and you have all the experts giving you ideas that are feeling like problematic, I'm going to give you the answer to this. The question is, how do you solve that? And the answer is absolutely 100% 
usable. Do not see them as your problem to solve. And that's it. It's as simple as that. You see them as a child in your home that has different things that they draw from you, and you work as a unit, you buddy up, you do things, but you don't let people, experts, anybody, step into your home with the concept of, he's the problem to solve, and once that's solved, we'll be a family, because everyone will grow up, and time will pass, and he will remain a problem to solve. It's called sick person personality. You reinforce the disability or the challenges or the emotional distraughtness by treating someone as if they're a problem to solve. So you don't do that. You just treat everybody like a family member and solve problems as they come up. So that's the answer to that. Honestly, trust me on this. Okay, Jeffrey, um, I'm just well, going to give the mid-show break, and we're going to come back, and, and, and you're going to tell me what you think of what I just said, finish the story of your family, and then tell us about your business and how you can help everybody, even though they have children that are autistic and stuff like that, because that's our families, and we want to know how your stuff applies to us. That's a lot to do in 20 minutes. You are listening to A New Spin on Autism Answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And today's a wonderful day. We are talking with Jeffrey Miller. He's the hypnotic interventionist. He's created a program called The 21 Days to Change Your Mind. I love it. I love that name. I love him. He's also the proud older brother of autistic twin brothers, born in 1959, but he also has a wonderful sister. A great family, and he's going to tell us kind of the end points to um, his childhood. His, it, I mean, this is just such an interesting show. Just stay with it. Maybe I'll have time to do stories from the road. And he's going to be our okay, 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 great guest giveaway. All right, Jeffrey Miller, we are back with you. Not that we ever oh, really thank left. You. <laughs> thank you. That was great. Thank you. That was eloquently said prior to your break. Uh, I, I love exactly how you put that. I think that is very, very good information for everybody to consider. And not only to consider, implement it. C- cement it into your family, into your life. And that's just fantastic. Thanks. Well, that was, Thanks. The, that was where we, that's really where I came to when I began my training for strategic intervention. Uh, it came through very loud and clear. There were areas in my life that I felt I had missed something. And it caused me to feel lesser than. I became an overachiever in everything else you can imagine just because of that. Mm-hmm. So is that a bad thing? No, but I wanted the well-rounded life. I didn't want to have the failed relationship syndrome, as they say. And a lot of people are aware of that today. And they don't have to have autistic kids in your home to have a failed relationship. There's a lot of it going on for many other reasons. And there's a lot of reasons why. And it's generally from the mind. It's all about what you think and how you think. Strategic intervention, as Tony Robbins teaches it from the stage, and intervenes, which is what it is, strategically intervenes in the mind of those he's working with. He uses elements. I call them elements. Pattern interrupts, right? Yes, pattern interrupts, exactly from an NLP standpoint, neuro-linguistic programming, where you are spoken to in certain ways to help your mind go, ooh, wow. I can rethink that. I don't have to be that way. Very, very good stuff. Hypnosis is the other part of the key in intervention. People say, well, 
I wasn't hypnotized. I was just spoken to, and the words made sense to me, and I realized it was an alternative to my behavior. And I snapped, and I changed, and now I've got to, what I call shampoo and condition that to keep it going. And therefore, you work with the interventionist to continue that for a set period of time. Not a year, not a long period of time, just a long enough period of time to recultivate or grow a new habit because it's all about habits in the mind. So what happens basically is hypnosis from a conversational point of view is what's done by a Tony Robbins. I learned that. I learned all about becoming a strategic interventionist. I went clearly right through that and come out the other side feeling great about me. Well, then, lo and behold, during the process of becoming a strategic interventionist, I had to work with others in what we call cross-coaching. There were others learning uh, the arch, as I call it, of strategic intervention, that we needed to coach one another. We needed to have practice. You need to do your practicing. Um, Just like the surgeons stand in amongst the surgeon when they're doing surgeries, they have to see, they have to feel, they have to understand to become a great surgeon. Well, to become a great strategic interventionist, you've got to practice the craft of strategic intervention. And I realized that I had a gift that I didn't know about to help others overcome their low self-esteem. 80% plus of the population of the world has some form of low self-esteem issue these days. Not good numbers. Not good at all. And those with autism in their family or you know, a member of the family, not maybe even immediate, have these feelings that come along with it. Everybody has to be able to relate to one another with that, that love and care. And I, I really thoroughly love when that the way you emphasized that it's not a problem and you can't be treated like there's the problem, let's attack it and fix it and get rid of it. The mind is no different. We have to go in and consider, okay, we were, everybody was brought up a certain way. You learn from the time of inception practically, but those real critical years from about the age of three, which is by the way the age where my brothers did not progress, they stayed at that point from a mental standpoint. So what we call the quote unquote normal human being, if there's ever such a thing, learns from the age of about three, those those critical years of, of three to about six or seven, depending whether male or female, those are so, and I keep using the word critical because they are critical. What that child sees, what that child learns, what how they're handled, how they're treated, how they're loved, at that point of life is what's going to bring them to who they become in adolescence, early child, you know, early and then adult. It's just a fact. It's a psychological fact. Human needs psychology is what I practice in because it's the needs that we live by that we we actually patent and mold our lives, and we don't we're not aware of them as we grow because we're taught what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. So each one of us is a product of the conditioning and the teachings of those we were raised with. And typically people say mom and dad, same people say, well, I didn't have a mom and dad. Well, somebody somewhere, even if it was in foster care, God love you, you know, or, or any other situation, you did learn from somebody because you right. have to. The human, the human being does not learn by not being taught. So right. you, and, and it becomes who you are. 
Right. However, that doesn't have to stay that way. If there are things about your life that you're not happy with and there are things you do as a habit, you may not even be aware of them. Not only are you not aware of them, you're not aware of where they came from. This is where actual hypnosis comes into play. In my program that I wrote, based on my learning strategic intervention and practicing it and becoming a coach part-time as an interventionist, working with people, then other coaches come to me and say, hey, could I become your client? Well, the interesting story that I, I learned was when we first started that training, we had to become our first best clients. You can't be a good coach unless you've got your stuff pretty much in an order. And I had to overcome that stuff to become that great coach. Yeah, and I always I, tell people, make sure that the therapist you go to got their work done before you take them on because that, every therapist exactly. I ever met got into the business because they're trying to help themselves, whether it's a that's life right. coach or, yeah. Exactly right, exactly right. So that said, I, I wrote a program, you know, and how did I come up with a name is what I'm asked quite frequently, you know, why 21 days? Well, again, psycho psychologically speaking, from a psychologist, uh, psychologist, doctor point of view, medical professional point of view, it takes typically about 21 days to flip a habit in the mind. Now, that's not to say that you can't change your mind in a split second. We can say we're going to go to get an ice cream and then change your mind. You don't do it at all and you go do something else. We're going to go to the beach today. Well, no, we change our mind. We're not going to the beach. We'll go to the zoo. Well, well that's really changing your opinion or your intention. That's, that's right. not the it same as changing your mind, right? right? This is, the, this is where the mindset of that has to come into play, Lynette. People have to understand that what I'm talking about is internal and it's not conscious. Everything we just talked about is a conscious thought. It's up in the frontal lobes where you say, okay, I choose to do this, I choose to do that. There's something that's in control of us called the unconscious mind. A lot of people call it the subconscious. If you were to call it the subconscious and believe that, you'd think it was less than that it was less important than the frontal mind or the what we call the mind of reality, which is where you think from. In fact, that's not true at all. It's the unconscious mind, and we call it unconscious because it works unconsciously. It's in, it is your modus operandi, as I say. It is what runs you. It is what controls everything you do because it's from those learned patterns of life, those learned habits of life, from your early childhood, from when you can't even remember, to this moment in existence right now, that you've become who you are and what you do and how you operate based on what you learned then. And okay, so we, we are, are getting short on time, and there's a couple things okay. I want to make sure you cover. One of them is, um, because you've alluded to talking about what happened with your dad, and then the other is, how would you apply this to a family, in a specific way, like, oh, here's a good question. If you were to go back and do this interventionist hypnosis help for your parents when your brothers were 10, what would you do? I would, I would sit them down probably through conversational first, you know, conversational hypnosis and with the NLP shit, knowing what I know now to go back and also hit the hypnosis and have them understand from their unconscious mind they are not at fault here. It is not their fault. They did not cause. It's just the way it is. 
they didn't. So how do you reach into that really guilt? Because so many of the moms that I meet, they're just driven with guilt. And I was driven with guilt. I remember, and I adopted my autistic kids, but I still kept being driven by, did I do something wrong? Did I make a wrong choice? And mine got off the spectrum except for Dar. So it's like this inherent thing. So how do you reach deep in? There are issues in life from early childhood that taught you low self-esteem that caused you to feel less than. Let's put it that way, just for simplification. It is the compounding of those issues. It can be one word. It can be a sentence. It could be somebody telling you, you're not good enough. This is your fault. It, it is going to trigger an unconscious belief that was taught to you through whether it was the way you were scolded as a child, the way that children in school reacted to you or talked to you or bullied you, no matter what it is, it is trapped and locked within your subconscious, but it is a trigger. So somebody says something today, I'm sorry, you know, you probably caused something and maybe it's your fault that this child is autistic. First of all, bunk, all right, that has nothing to do with it at all, but you go to a place, you are triggered into a belief from your unconscious thoughts and every one of us is totally unique and different to that, but it all happens the same. Millions of people across the planet, we all act the same way when it comes to this. Just different thoughts. Just different you, views so, from the window, right? That's right. You go to a place of low self-esteem. Well, what does low self-esteem? It causes you to feel less than. It causes you to have debilitating beliefs. It causes you to have habits that you shouldn't have. It could lead to drinking, to drugs, to overeating. You name it, it can happen. So that do you use the, the hypnosis? or the? How, how do you... Yes. Hypnosis... Once I learned the art of hypnosis, I realized that I, I was a great hypnotist. And I, I did not, nor have I ever hypnotized anybody literally, physically, face-to-face. I hypnotized over Skype. And in the wow. beginning... Oh, oh, this is so fantastic because our audience is international. People, you have right. to get a hold of Jeffrey. Okay, so Jeffrey... We're almost out of time, and you need to give away, and this is a perfect sort of tie-in to that. So, okay, 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 Jeffrey Miller is the great guest giveaway. What are you going to give? Well, folks, what I, what I offer with my 21 Days to Change Your Mind program, and as a strategic hypnotic interventionist, I offer a free, no obligation, in other words, financial obligation, 30-minute consultation. I need you to answer one question. So if everybody goes to www. 21, just a 2-1, 21 days to change your mind.com. 21 days to change your mind.com. You will see a button that you can press, and it's going to take you to a sheet, a form, and that form has a question. And I'm going to give you real quickly, I'm going to hide, I know we've got very little time left. That question is going to ask you this What is the one big issue that is pervasive in your life right now that you'd love to change? Boom. You're going to write it down. This is my issue, and you're going to write it down. There may be countless others, but what comes to your mind first? What snaps into your mind when you ask yourself that question? And then underneath that, it says, what five or six things are going to change in your life exponentially as a result of this issue being taken care of? And it's, poof, gone. So you write that down. You submit that to me. The first 21 people that do that, and get it to me, we'll have a free consultation. Now, I do offer free consultations, just that I know that Lynette's show is extremely popular, and I, I can't, I just don't have enough hours in a week, folks, with the, with the clients I have now to have hundreds and hundreds of these a week. I have to stagger it, so you'd have to wait some time 
people get this, this free session. However, as a special, special gift to you because you have listened to the Brain Broad Show, I will at least 21, and I'll try to do more. How's that? But even if I don't that's get That's amazing. Right away, oh, my goodness, Jeffrey. That's amazing. From, from there shall you choose to with no pressure at all, and you feel the difference, and you want to continue on in the 21 Days Change of Mind program. It really is literally 21 days. There's three one-hour sessions. There's work you need to do for your mind in between each seven days we meet. And then you graduate from that. If you choose to do further coaching with me in the future, that's wonderful. If you feel you need it. If you don't, I'm going to tell you you don't. I don't hang people around for a year, pay me X number of dollars, and, and you know, we'll talk about it next year. You need to live. You need to have a life. You need to be able to correct these things. And that's what I do. That's a wonderful gift. You can't leave us with an open loop. We've only got two minutes. Close the loop on your dad and give him a word of advice. God bless, God bless him. He is not with us any longer. He's died some 15 years ago now and, and uh, of cancer. But at the age of 17, dad decided he had enough. Whatever was going on in that man's mind, I could say I hated him for the next 10 years, and I did, for leaving me with the responsibility of my mom, my sister, and two autistic brothers as the sole survivor, so to speak, that was a period of time when Vietnam was in full force. I was in the Army. I was heading out. I was in, in, uh, had enlisted, and I was on my way to Vietnam, and they pulled me uh, as sole surviving son, having two autistic brothers now, as we know autism. Then they didn't know. Uh, that was one way that they pulled me. The other was because I was sole support for my mom, and under the extenuating circumstances, um, mom was trying to get back and trying to get into the workforce. She had a little part-time thing selling cosmetic line, you know, like a shop at home type of thing, but not mm-hmm. much, nothing that was going to support this family. So I moved back home. I had actually moved out and was on my own with a little business I was running. I moved back home to help mom and help my sister. And my sister, of course, became the built-in babysitter because mom then went to work while she finished her high school. And it was, I, I said, dad, dad, just, I, I didn't understand. I just didn't understand how this man could walk away. Um, I guess I didn't want to walk a mile in his shoes now that I'm older and have children and grandchildren and a great-grandchild of my own. I, uh, Yeah, there was a lot of hatred for about 10 years, and I use that word. I, I don't like that word. Uh, no, but it's I, honest. Yeah, it's honest, and it's what it was. It's how I felt until 10 years later I came to a point of understanding and forgiveness. I got on a plane, flew to Florida where I found out he was living, went out for a day of fishing with him on the St. John's River, and literally came to peace. He died less than a year later. Oh, thank goodness he went. Because it's you that was imprisoned by your feelings. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so, folks, life is short, and then you die. Yeah. So, so live it, live your moments because they become your life. Exactly. All right. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to a lot of folks getting in touch. And uh, and uh, this is one this more is time your website, how they get you. www.21daystochangeyourmind.com. 21daystochangeyourmind.com. Jeffrey Miller, the hypnotic interventionist. 
Wow, that was Jeffrey Miller, the interventionist, the hypnotic interventionist, serving in the area of human needs psychology. That's like, I love that, human needs psychology. In fact, I think sometimes if we just get down to what we need, we'll get what we want. I mean, let's be honest. We are too often pushing aside our needs and um, going after something so hard that, our needs aren't met. And for example, for example, there's a thing called sitting disease. Everybody's working so hard that they're getting sick because they're sitting too much. Like just get up and move, you know, make a light. If your autistic child is pacing, they know what's going on. Get up and pace with them. So, um, all right, it is time for stories from the road. And I think this is the perfect story because it's quick and we don't have any time really left. But um, there was a young girl that I was working with. Actually, I was working with her brother, uh, but I always work with the whole family. So they were doing a lot of the things that families do with um, autistic children in the house. They, you know, they were doing uh, different therapies, different diets, different this, different that. And so the whole home had changed in their approach to eating. And it was very reminiscent of what had happened for me and one of my children when I was uh, first starting on this how to figure it out journey. And I started doing macrobiotics. I I just started reaching for things because back then there wasn't a diet for autism. So I just started reading and learning and trying. And I exact scenario I'm going to share with you, which was many years later, for a totally different family, it happened for my daughter. So it was kind of like one of those uh, Twilight Zone moments. So here I am in the house, and I'm talking with the, the little girl because it's her turn, and I'm showing her neurofeedback and, you know, just kind of getting a feel for where she's at so that I can pop in any little bits of advice that might help her to feel more comfortable in her life and, you know, in her circumstance, her, her schoolwork, her, with her brother, all of the above. And um, what comes up is that her parents are abusive. And I'm like, oh, okay, and, you know, trying to keep my cool, and, you know, why do you use that term, and what do you mean? So, you know, what, in spe- you know, what's a specific example of them being abusive? And, and I kid you not. She said, well, they give me this very thin wafer-like uh, brown sort of not really bread stuff for my sandwiches, and all of the kids tell me that she's, that she's abusive, my mom's abusive. And then I asked my dad, you know, why do I have to eat this? My friends are eating Nutella and I want to have chips. And, um, and he's like, you know, because of your brother. And so I went to the health nurse and she said, you know, that your parents are not treating you well and, and that you were looking, that I was looking because she was talking, she goes, and and the nurse said that I was looking like, you know, like I was not being fed properly and I was going to get sick. And the whole time she was saying that I was having that stress reaction that you have when it's reminiscent of the past. Because, I mean, it was worse for my daughter. I made onion butter, you know. I was trying to avoid dairy and all these things, and I'm trying all these uh, different recipes of strange named foods I'd never heard of before, and I sent her to school smelling like onions, so you can imagine the reaction they got. And she had a very similar circumstance. The nurse talked to her and told her that she was going to die from this because there was some story at some point about some macrobiotic people, like not really investigating. Meanwhile, all her friends are eating really unhealthy food. So 
So our family is becoming more healthy, but all of the people who have gotten used to processed foods are receiving that as a rejection. And I thought that had changed, but here I was just recently with a family listening to this young girl hating her parents for putting her through so much hell because she was being treated in an abusive manner, which was actually the opposite. Her family was giving her the healthier choice. However, her family was also doing the same thing I did to my daughter, setting her apart. So what we are stuck with when we have a unique circumstance, when we have children that are special, or diets that, you know, it could be diabetes for goodness sakes, whatever it is that makes us have to stand apart, it is important as parents and even if we are the one having to stand apart from the world and we don't have kids, maybe we're the autistic person. Whatever it is that's making it that we have to stand apart, it is important to look for the places wherein you are the same. Because it is those places where people will connect to you, where they will feel like your friend. It's well known in psychology, you have to be the same to connect. And then your difference is interesting. It's an extra bit of perspective. So find your sameness. Look for your sameness. You're not a problem to solve. You're a person to enjoy. And look for the parts that you, your family, can do the same. And that goes for even a diet. So this poor little girl <laughs> thought her parents were abusive and was all in a, you know, emotional discombobulated state, and all she needed to know is that her parents were just the opposite of abusive, but that they didn't know how to make her have that commonality, and we worked on that. So seek your commonality while you embrace your difference. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Brat, and you have been listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. Thank you for being here, because without you, I'd just be talking to myself at this point. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear.